somebody tells me that the Noah from the movie is nowhere like the Noah from the Bible. And so constantly the world is trying to, trying to infiltrate us and mess and, and make us conform to their patterns. And, make, and that's why the word says in Romans 12, we can't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen? And then we'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Paul, Paul is saying we can't let our culture or society limit or misconstrue what we believe. And I mean, you know, that's the battle that goes on every day, right? Society tries to infiltrate kind of and, 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 you know, shape the way we believe. We can't let those around us who misunderstand the presence of God to determine what we're going to believe. So we have to renew our minds daily with the word. Listen, understand, the scriptures were not given to us for information. They were given to us for transformation. Amen? So the question applies to all of us today, no matter who you are, no matter where you stand or what you believe. What if God is not who we think he is and neither are we? This message this morning I wanted to title, To Whom Shall We Go? To Whom Shall We Go? And I love the picture of God that we get right from the beginning of Scripture. If we're going to talk about who God is, the best place to do it is to go right back to the beginning. And you guys know I love preaching right from Genesis. I, I love this picture. The picture of God that we get right from the, beginning, from the beginning in Genesis, it tells us, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And it's a, a beautiful picture. He created all the, the, the imagery. And, the, and I don't know how anybody could wrestle with the thought of creation. Because if you just sat in the park or sat in an open field and just looked at creation, it, it's so hard. It takes more faith to not believe that there's a creator than to think that all of that happened by accident. All the greens and the blues and the, the reds and the oranges, that all of that happened by accident. It, it takes, in my opinion, more faith to believe that there isn't a creator. So our first picture of God is from Genesis. He creates man, he creates male, and he creates female. And, there, and male is standing there naked, and female is standing there naked. Don't focus too much, just, you know. He creates male and female, and the first command he gives them, be fruitful and multiply. He says, I've given you everything. This has all been created for you. The, every seed-bearing plant is for you to eat. Every tree, this is all yours. In other words, he says, are the children all gone? He says, the first command from God to man and women. He says, make love and eat. Say, so he's a good God. Come on, somebody should have done the little. He's a good God. So, but our distorted image of God would say, all God does is give us rules and regulations and no's and don'ts and don't do this and you can't do this and you can't. But no, that's not the picture we get. He says you can eat up every tree in the garden. There's one tree that you shouldn't eat from it because when you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Every, no limitations, every one warning. One warning. We get this picture of God so twisted. He gives us the choice to love him, to obey him. He gives us total freedom with one warning. And we say he's unjust. 
and we say he's cruel, and we say he's, he's about no, and he's the God of no, and thou shalt not. But he's not, right? That's not what we see from right from the beginning. And I hear excuses. God gives us all these rules and punishments, and he's distant, and he's disconnected. No, you're dead wrong. God is closer than a brother. He provided everything we ever needed from the environment to, to, to breathe in. This is the only planet that we know of that has the oxygen, nitrogen, and carbon dioxide at the right levels that we can breathe in. You're talking about it has, if they were off by a percentage, we would choke and die. That's not amazing. So he, he, he created everything we need from the environment, for life, for everything, so that we could have happiness. And he gives us one warning from the beginning. Fast forward, you know the story. Man messes up. He failed to heed the one warning. He listened to the enemy. The enemy said, you could be like God. You don't have to be our version of God. You could be like God. You could be God. And that's why God doesn't want you. And so we got deceived and we ate and we fall. And the moment Adam and Eve fell, the moment they, they, they heeded, they disregarded the warning, the moment they, they partake of that, they sensed their separation from God. And it says that they were naked, they realized they were naked, and they were afraid. And the word says when they heard God, they were afraid and they realized they were naked, and so they covered themselves, and then they hid. And, and, and family, that's been our pattern ever since the beginning of time. God creates us to love and to have an abundant life. And we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And because of that, we see our nakedness. And when it comes, when we hear God, when it comes to God, we're afraid that he's not going to accept us. That he's not going to love us. That he won't receive us. And so we cover ourselves with religion. And we cover ourselves with excuses and with doubt and with disbelief. Did you know that disbelief is a cover? And, and we cover ourselves and we hide. And, and the first man and the first woman, they hid from God because they were afraid that God wasn't going to accept them anymore. And they were afraid that their disobedience would disqualify them from the love of God. I felt strongly, the moment I typed that, I said, there's going to be people there that are right there today that they're going to believe that their disobedience has disqualified them from the love of God. You're here today, and you, have, you feel this way. You, you come to church, you go through the motions, because you know, man, it's the right thing to do. At least, you know, I could have peace on a little bit. At least I could try, and you're going through the motions, but you believe your disobedience has disqualified you from the love of God. And I want to tell you, nothing, 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 nothing can separate you from the love of God. You're dead wrong. And what happened at that very moment tells us everything we need to know about God. Seeing that they were afraid, seeing that because of their disobedience, they saw themselves uncovered before God and, and caused them to hide from God. He immediately, the first thing he did, he sacrifices an animal and he makes clothes for them. So the first thing God did in response to their disobedience is he covered them himself. He provided a sacrifice and he covered them. At that moment, it was that sacrifice which provided the covering so that they could stop hiding from God. Fast forward to you and me today. 
He provided the perfect sacrifice. His only begotten son, which provided the perfect covering for you and for me. I'm preaching an Easter message three weeks before Easter. Come on. <laughs> I don't want to waste it on just those that are going to come visit. I want to, I want to give it to us. Amen. If we dig deeper here, what, what they expected from God is what led them to doubt, right? It's not what God had told them. It's not what God, what anything, what they expected. Their expectations of God is what caused them to, to doubt and what led them to try to cover themselves and what sent them into hiding. Sometimes it's our own expectations that deceive us. Come on. All right, here we go. Come on. Come on. Sometimes it's our own expectations that, that deceive us. If they had known that God loved them so faithfully that even in their unfaithfulness, he would still receive them, perhaps, perhaps, when they saw their nakedness, when they felt their shame, perhaps they would have run directly to God without trying to devise such a feeble cover-up as a fig leaf. Isn't a fig leaf like the biggest joke? That's the best they could come up with, a fig leaf. Think about it from the side, come on. From the back, you know, depending if she was Hispanic, you know, depending how many fig leaves were, you know, put together, you, you know what I'm saying? It's a feeble, a fig leaf is coarse, it's itchy. Somebody said that's a bad covering. But a fig leaf was the best thing that they could come up with. Listen, religion, every single bit of it, every one of them is nothing but a fig leaf. That man has used since the beginning of time to cover themselves up and try to make themselves presentable to God. The fig leaf is a perfect example of the finest plan that we could come up with to cover ourselves. Family, if we would grasp today that God loves us so faithfully that even in our unfaithfulness he still receives us then we would never again have to fig leaf our faith with a false covering i'm preaching better than you're amening come on man see the issue that i believe it was and still is today is who do we say he is is he Emmanuel, God, with us? Is he Jehovah Jireh, my provider? Is he Jehovah Rofi, my healer? Jehovah Rohi, my shepherd? Jehovah Shalom, my peace? Jehovah Roi, the God who sees me? Jehovah Shammah, the God who is present? Is he the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the author of life, the ancient of days, the Christ, the Messiah, the counselor, the deliverer, the redeemer? Is he the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of of the world or or not who do we say he is and is he faithful when we're faithless what 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 does that mean in our life when we read through through the gospels we get to hear from men and women who were directly around jesus I love to, to hear the eyewitnesses of those that walked with him, those that were directly around. When we read through their stories, we can see that most of the people that followed Jesus, 
Even those that literally followed him around in person heard the things that he said, saw the things that he did. Even they had certain expectations that were wrong. Even they had certain beliefs of what he should do and how he should do them, right? How many times did, did, did they, they come to him crying? And he says, come on, man, why, why don't you believe? Why do you have such little faith? And, and they'll come to him and say, God, how come we couldn't? And they say, well, why, why don't you just believe? Or, or he calm a storm and he'll speak to the storm and, the, and, 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 and they'll say, wow, who is this man? That even the, the, the weather responds to him. Right? They were constantly, their expectations were off, and they, 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 they had certain beliefs of what he should do. John and Peter and even Judas expected Jesus to do certain things in a certain way because of their expectations. And because of that, they struggled in their faith. Because Jesus didn't come to fulfill their expectations. Somebody say amen. See, in the New Testament, we have great examples of men who went through a lot of trouble. They suffered a lot of disappointment because of who they expected God to be. And if we're honest today, I think all of us could identify with the struggles that our own expectations have gotten us into. Some of us believed, well, once I started coming to church, (laughs) right? Some of you believe this, and and we will, you know could admit it or not, we said, well, once I started coming to church, my wife, my kids are going to behave. My wife is going to respect me. I'll get promoted at work. I'll get four promotions at work. They'll cut my work and double my salary. Santo. My husband going to love me again. Praise God. The dog is going to stop peeing in the living room. Because Jesus came to fix all that stuff in my life. And as soon as I give my life to him and surrender, he's going to get everything working around my life. How many of you had those expectations? Come on. Let's be honest. If we're honest, we waited for a little while because we knew it was going to take time. (laughs) I mean, we knew, right? My husband's been a jerk for 11 years. It's going to take a little time. It's not just going to be one day at church. I, you know, we knew it was going to take a process. God was going to work through, but he's going he gonna, to woo, wipe that. He's going to take care of business at my house, right? And so, so we waited for a little while, right? And, and so, but, but, but if you remember, you know, if you remember that process, the way it went, one day you came to God and you said, okay, God, it's been five weeks. Right? I haven't missed a service. Well, two, but there's grace. Amen? Praise God. And see, our expectations of who God is and how he should do things create some tension in our lives. Right? And so let's take a look at, I want to take a look at a man in the scriptures whose whole life was set apart, devoted to God. They call him John the Baptist. If you have your words, you can look up in John chapter 1. And it tells us his, his, a little bit of his story, and there's a lot of pieces of his story throughout the Gospels. In John chapter 1, it says, now, this was John's testimony. You, you should know already by this time that even before John was born, there was prophetic words given to his father who shouldn't have had a kid because they were old already. 
And, and so there was prophetic words already spoken over this child that he would be the one that prepares the way for the Messiah. Somebody say, that's a heavy, right? That's a heavy calling on this kid. And so here it says in John 1.19, it says, Now this was John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He didn't fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. They, they, that's how powerful he was. That's how much anointing. They were thinking he was the one. And he's saying, listen, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they say, well, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. Who do you say you are? And John replied in the words of Isaiah, the prophet, he said, I am the voice of one calling in the desert. Make straight the way for the Lord. In Mark 1, it says, it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. And so John came and baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Listen, the whole Judean countryside, the word says, and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins and they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. It says John wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. This was a wild man. <laughs> this was a wild. He said, I ain't, I ain't worried about nothing. I'm concerned about what God wants me to do. This is a man on mission. He said, I'm going to fulfill the prophetic words spoken over my life. I'm walking in it. I'm doing it. I'm still, I don't care what I just throw in a boom and just, I'm eating locusts and wild honey. I don't care about food. I don't care about anything. I want to prepare the way for the Lord because that's what I was created to do. Amen. And it says, and it says, everyone, every, all the people of Jerusalem came out to him, the whole Judean countryside. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, whose thongs, whose the thongs of his sandals, I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit of God. And so all these people came to him to be baptized. And, and one day, he remember, it says everybody. So everybody, John has a, a big following. Everybody's coming to hear him preach, to hear him speak repentance, to hear him baptize. And one day, finally, the one he's been speaking about comes. And he sees Jesus approaching. And, and, and God shows him. He knows. He says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Then the word says that he, John, saw heaven open and a dove came down and rested on Jesus. And, and the words of God came and said, this is my son. So, so can you imagine that for a moment? Would you forget this moment? Would you ever forget this moment? Would this change you for life? You're walking. This guy shows up. The guy that you've been saying is coming. And, and heaven opens up. What does that look like when heaven opens up? I, I can't even imagine. Heaven opens up. And a dove comes down uh, a fire and just lands on his head as, as he's walking to, to. Can you just picture the walk? I mean, I don't know. You know I don't know what that looked like, but. But, I mean, it had to be amazing, amen? 
And so John sees all of this, and <coughs> John sees the dove come and Jesus, and, and he hears God's word. And he declares to the people, this is the one, this is the Messiah. This is the one I've been speaking about. This is the one I've been telling you about. He declares that he, this is the one. So right now, how many of you know John is in his game right now? You, you know that feeling when you're doing exactly what God called you to do? Come on, there's three of you here, come on. There's this three of you. You, you. you know that, that, that God called you to do something and you're stepping out into it. You started that ministry. You joined up that ministry. You, 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 you know, God used you to help this and to help build that. And you got that, man, what? I am unstoppable right now. I'm fearless. I'm, God is using me. You, you know that feeling that you just feel. If you don't know that feeling, it's a good feeling. Try to get it. So, so he's got the best feeling in the world right now. He's, he's fulfilled his ministry. He saw heaven open. He sees Jesus. He hears the voice of God. He gets to baptize Jesus. He tells Jesus, nah, man, I should have baptized you. You should baptize me. Jesus had just baptized me so the prophecy could be fulfilled. So he baptizes Jesus. I mean, amazing. So now, now what happens? Because John was so radical... And John was in everybody's face telling them, you're a sinner, and you better get your life. He was like preaching repentance, hardcore. He got some people upset. King Herod was one of them. King Herod now gets him thrown in prison. So John, so one minute he's stepping out in faith and he's walking in his destiny, and the next minute all hell breaks loose against him. How many of you have been there? One minute, one minute, just, so, you know, you're, you're, you're feeling everything. You're as close to God as you can be. You're, you're, you're feeling like, like every step is ordained by God, and you're like, yeah, God, yeah, God. I'm walking exactly where you want me to go. Yeah, God. You're feeling, and then, bam, all hell breaks loose, and you're in prison. And so now John is in jail, and probably at first, John ain't worried. John is probably leaning up against the jail cell. Saying, I ain't worried about nothing. 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 Because he knows. He said, Jesus came to set. He can, I know who God is. I know who the Messiah is. He's coming. He's going to set this place right. He's going to get pop out of everybody in this prison. He's going to blow this place up. I'm going to walk up out of this jail. Boy, I can't wait. God is so good. I ain't worried about nothing. And the word doesn't tell us this, but judging by who he was and how he was, he was probably preaching in the prisons. He said, brother, you better turn or burn. Because when God comes to get me out of here, you better be on my side, brother. I mean, he was probably just, you know, preaching and just preaching, letting everybody know it's time to repent. Make straight your way before the Lord. But now, apparently, some time passed. How many of you ever had? Time pass. <laughs> you, you expected something. It was going to happen. All right, it's not happening today. All right. Tomorrow is another day. Praise God. Santo. All right. You know, Tuesday. All right. All right, Friday. You know. It's been a couple weeks. All right, but God, I know. Whoa, I know you're hearing me, right? All right. You're with me, right? All right. I'm the one. Remember, I'm, you know, the baptizer. That's me. And, and apparently time has passed, and, and he was excited and encouraged, but time happened. And, and, and man, you, you, many of you know what happens when time happens. You, 
you could grow a little discouraged. Anybody in the building? He expected God to do something that God didn't do. He, he would not have expected to spend the rest of his life in prison. He, he probably expected Jesus to perform some crazy miracle to get him out of there, but, but Jesus didn't. He, he, even though he told everybody, I must decrease so that he must increase. When he decreased too much, he got a little discouraged. You know how we, we quote scripture and we stand strong and then we get discouraged and we start questioning the same scripture we was quoting. Amen? Anybody in here? Just me, amen, stand with me, man. So apparently, John still had a lot of disciples coming to visit him, right? Because remember, he had a huge following. And so he, he, um, he calls two of his disciples over, and Luke tells us, and John called two of his disciples to him, and he sent them to Jesus saying, to, saying go, go to Jesus and ask him, hey, are you the one? Or should I wait for another? Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one I've been preaching about? Are you the one I've been telling everybody about? Or is there another? Did I get this thing wrong? Was I a bad prophet for a minute? Did I, did I mistake something somewhere? Are you the one or, 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 or is there another one? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you saying, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? See, apparently John had some expectations of who Jesus was and what kind of Messiah he would be. <coughs> Sorry. Right about now in the middle of the storm, right about now he's feeling trapped in prison. Right about now he, he, he couldn't see any way out of this situation and he starts questioning the faith that he had that Jesus was the one. See, John was a lot like you and me, amen? Our, our discouraging circumstances often cause us to forget or doubt who Jesus is. Anybody? We, we, we have some sort of expected time frame, and we, we've all figured how much time it should take for God to work out what I told him to work out for me. And if we're honest today, he, when he doesn't do things the way we expect him or in the time frame that we think is reasonable, we doubt and we question God. And so like John, we send messages to God. We say, hey, God, are you the one? Are you hearing my prayers? Are you the one or should I pray to another one? Some people quit right there. Some people have quit in their, in their faith. Some people have quit in their walk right there. They, they got discouraged and they said, God, are you the one or should I wait for another? And right there they quit. And they'll stop. And you, when you ask them and you invite them to church, they say, no, nah, I tried that. Right? I tried that. Really, you tried that? Yeah, one time I needed God and I asked him for something. He didn't do it. He didn't hear me. I tried that. So some people quit right there. Listen, if you've been there, say amen. If you're there right now, hold on to what you know. Hold on to what you already know to be true. Hold 
on to what you know you've seen and what you know you've heard. Remember, John saw heaven open up. He, he heard the voice of God. John knew and declared that Jesus was the Messiah. He said, I must decrease so that he must increase. Listen, if God has been real in your life before, just because you're in a struggle now, hold on. Hold on. There's a lesson here. See, John, John could have brought this doubt to somebody else. John could have reached out to the Pharisees with his doubt. John, he could have reached out to the religious leaders of that time, and John would have died in his doubt. Because what John didn't know was that shortly after this, Herod would have him beheaded. John died in prison. Say, thanks, Pastor. Great story. But when John had doubts, he brought them to God. When John doubted God, he brought his doubt to God. He brought it to the source. See, it says John sent his messengers back with them. He told them when, when, and when, when Jesus heard the question, Jesus sent his messengers back to John. And Jesus tell, told them, go and tell John that the things that you have seen and heard, that the blind see, that the lame walk, that the lepers are cleansed, that the deaf hear, that the dead are raised, that the poor have the gospel preached to them, and that blessed is he who is not offended because of me. See, Jesus sent the answer back to John. Tell him what you've seen and what you heard. You don't have to doubt, John. You can trust me. You got it right, son. You got it right. Family, I don't know all of your stories today, but I know there's some of you today going through some rough seasons. Can I talk to you for a moment? You're feeling perhaps like John was feeling in prison, separated from God. And you've been asking, are you the one, God? Did you hear me, God? Should I keep praying, God? Should I keep talking to you? Is it a waste of time? Are you the one or should I... Should I wait for another? I want to remind you of a few things today. And these, I'm going to give you five quick things that helped me. This is from my life, personal, that helped me get through some really hard and difficult seasons. Amen. You ready? Number one, like John, you've seen too much. You've experienced too much to turn back now. Hold on to what you know. Listen to me. Hold on to what you know. I hear some people tell me, oh, I don't know if I believe this. Shut up. Silence the enemy in your life because you know too much. You've seen too much. You can't turn back now. You will never be happy if you leave now. You'll, ne you'll be miserable everywhere you go because you know you've seen too much. So hold on to what you know. Number two, take your issues directly to God. God has strong shoulders. God is not going to get offended at your doubt. Your doubt won't make God feel insecure. Go directly to God. With, don't bring your desperation with God to just anybody. Oh, hear this, please, family. This will save you some heartache. People will feed your doubt and leave you worse than when you came. So take your desperation with God directly to God. Number three. Surround yourself with his disciples. Oh, this is good. Listen, 
Surround yourself. Listen, John's disciples were able to go back and forth between him and Jesus. Surround yourself with people willing to go to God for you when you can't. Oh, come on, man. You should have paid for that. Surround yourself with people willing to go to God and come back when you can't. Number four, understand, this is hard, understand that hard times cause us to press into God. Sometimes when times are good, when times go well, we don't press into God as much. We don't go after God. Sometimes God allows difficult seasons to draw us closer to God. I know nobody want to hear that. That's not what we expect of God. God came so my dog will stop peeing in the living room. God came to straighten out my husband. God came to get my wife and my kids straight. No, he didn't. He came that we might have life and have it abundantly. He came to provide the perfect sacrifice that we can be forgiven for all the stupid things that we think and do. So understand that hard times Press us to draw closer, and God does it to mature us and to grow us. I, I don't have time, but listen, I have so many financial miracles in my life. So that could do a whole nother message on just the financial miracles that God. I've been to the play where I've had the four colognes on my condo were our version of. And that's when I had enough money to buy the five dollars. You know, when you, when you go to the Jamaican and get the, the oil. <laughs> this <laughs> this smells just the same, you know. I've been broker than broke. I've been so broke I can't pay attention. And 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 listen, I've been in and I'm not talking, I'm not talking, you know, oh, you know, a hundred years ago. I'm talking, you know, there's been times where where recently, you know, and, and there was times in ministry where I have stepped out, left jobs, left corporate America, stepped out to work in full-time ministry, and I said, God, come on, you called me out, and here I can't pay anything. My burn, my oil, my oil burner won't turn on. It's cold and I got no oil. My Con Ed is calling me. The phone is blowing up off the hook because I owe Citibank and I took from Citibank to pay uh, Capital and I took from Capital to pay TD Bank. And now they all started talking to each other. <laughs> and oh, God. <coughs> you know when it's so bad when they start calling your references and calling your friends. So you know George Martinez because he listed you back when he bought. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, cousin. Just change your number, bro. I don't know what's wrong. I paid that bill. But listen, but so, so I've been in times, man, when you think, I don't, there is no way this, this just must be what you want, God. And so, I, you know, I'm not happy about it, but I'm just struggling. And, I'm, I'm, and so there, I've been at times like that. And then out of nowhere, God will just reverse the process. I don't know. I, I'm sure, listen, I'm sure it was something I had to learn. I'm sure it was God had to mature me. Listen, before I could drive a new car, God had me with a, a new Humpty every year. Listen, this is, a, this is a great testimony, but not, not a happy one. Every time my car broke and I needed a new car, there was somebody to give me another car free. Say, praise God. 
How many of you know a free car is not a good thing? I wish I had pictures to put up of all the cars that I had. It, it, it sounds like a great testimony. Every time my car broke down, bam, God provided a new one. But, but the car God provided, it would be, listen, oh, brother, I got a car for you. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1970-some, you know, oh, it hasn't moved. It's been in my backyard about eight years, but I'm pretty sure we could get it going. Or, or I, had, I had one car, it had no paint. It was a Nissan, it was a Nissan Maxima. I loved it. It was a great car. Nissan Maxima, stick shift. He, and he, all he told me was, on the AC works. I was like, woo, banging. I got to the car, it had not one coat of paint on it. And it had sat outside for a long time. And so the entire car was rust. So I drove a rust-colored car. That the ignition didn't work. I had to open up the hood and touch the starter with a screwdriver to the metal. Anybody had to start cars that way? Got it, got it. Get back in the car. And I worked in corporate, so I'm in a suit and tie going. You know, and take off. Those were the humpties. But I believe, listen, I believe. God had to deal with the pride in my life. And so I had to push some cars to get them started. <laughs> oh, man. I had some jacked up cars, man. You know the car where you can only get in on the passenger side on the back? Say, like, no, no, hold on. I'll be right in. I'll be right in. Boom, 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 boom. Climbing over. Boom, 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 boom. All right, all right. We good. Come in, come in. Every time, you know. But God, God did some incredible financial miracles in my life. There were times, and, and those were hard times. I, we could joke now, but that wouldn't have been funny to me back then. Because I know people were laughing, but I wasn't laughing. Because <laughs> you was laughing at me. <laughs> right? Now we can laugh about it. But there, those are, you know when you're there, those are hard seasons, man. And you think nothing's ever going to change. I, I can tell you right now, honestly, I just finished paying off about three years ago. Once I got this job and started paying off my debt, I just finished paying off my daughter's diapers and Similac. My daughters are 21 and 23. <laughs> but I was, buying, I was buying Similac and diapers every week on credit. And that $10,000, you know, max... Then I transferred it over to Capital One. And then I transferred it over to TD Bank. And then I transferred it over to Chase. And I paid it for seven years. It was still $10,000. All right, this ain't a financial seminar. I'm sorry. <laughs> what I'm saying was that God will put us through some seasons. And we don't think, we don't think, we expect God. Come on, God. I'm serving you. I'm your servant. I'm your pastor. Don't you see my business card? I'm a youth pastor. I work with some knucklehead youth. I mean, I had Mark and Sal as youth, and Jesse as youth. Just kidding. I mean, I did, but, you know. And, I, and, and, and you, you get to the point where you ask, come on, God, don't you have something for me? And, and it was just a process. God is going to get us through. So listen, my wife and I were discussing this last night, and we realized some of the hardest, this is number five, I'm, I'm finished. Some of the hardest seasons that we've been through Weren't about us. This is going to set somebody free. Listen. 
Most of the times we go through seasons to develop and mature our faith, right? Sometimes we go through hard seasons to develop and mature somebody else's faith. Oh, man. And we don't understand that when we're in it. And we can kick and scream and resist. And he said, God, why would you allow this? <laughs> it could, you know, it could be our kids. When it's with our kids, it's some hard stuff, right? When we go through a season with our children, that's the hardest thing. With our family members, with our, our close friends. And we can say, God, come on, man. We can say, God, why are you making me go through this? Why are you making me deal with this? Could it be that it's not about you? I want you to look at some of your situations because some of you have been kicking and screaming. And God just came to brought you here to tell you today, hey, it's not about you. You're going through this to somebody else. Maybe I'm working in your kid's life. Maybe I'm dealing with your husband. Maybe I'm working on your wife. Let it go. Stop kicking and screaming. Walk through it. Stand. Hold on to what you know and wait and trust me. Know that those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up like wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Could it be? You may not see it, but could it be that I'm doing exactly what you're asking me to do, says God today to you. Worship team, you guys can come. They got to believe it's ending. <laughs> Family, if we're going to make it to the end, we're going to need to learn patience. This is the part you hate about the message. If we're going to make it to the end, we're going to need to learn how to love people. Why does God keep putting the same miserable derelict in my life? Because you didn't learn how to love the first one he put there. Love that derelict. Love him to death. Love that troublemaker, that, 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 that bochinchero, that love him, love him, love him. And then God will understand that you learned that lesson. Church, we got to learn to forgive. We got to learn to be selfless. We need to learn endurance. We need to learn how to stand. Because if you don't take time to learn these things, family, every time problems come, you're going to run. Every time everything that happens, you're going to think it's about you. Every time things get tough, you're going to quit. Every time situations get difficult, you're going to give up. God is saying to some of us today, in your situation, in the middle of your pain, will you still going to trust me? Are you still going to worship? Some of us, that's the first thing that goes. We say, God, I can't worship you anymore. He said, oh, because things aren't good, you can't worship. You can only worship me in the good times. Well, there's a lesson you need to learn. Amen. Are you still going to pray? I get blown away when I see people come to prayer that never go to prayer in their lives and I almost want to go up to them and ask them, okay, what's the crisis? I'm sorry if I offend some of you, but I almost want to, I'm just waiting for the bomb to drop. Okay, tell me, who is it? Is it your kid? Is it your husband? Is it your wife? What is it? 
because you're, you're not normally coming to prayer on, on a Wednesday night. You don't normally come. and do, So something must have brought you to this place. God is saying today, are, am I good whether I do it your way or not? Listen, in one of the hardest teachings that Jesus ever gave, we read about it in John chapter 6. I'm closing, I promise. It tells us that many of the disciples deserted Jesus. And as a matter of fact, the scripture verses John 666, it says, from that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And Jesus knew that, so imagine this, hundreds of people following him. He gives this message and everybody deserts him. They all leave. The only ones left are his staff, his 12. And he, he, he knows in the spirit that they're mumbling and they're complaining. And they're saying, man, that's a tough word. Man, that's a tough message. And so Jesus turns to his 12 and he says, do you want to go too? You want to leave too? Everybody's left. He turns to his worship team and he says, do you guys want to leave too? You want to go too? Go ahead. And Peter says one of the most amazing things. He drops one of the most amazing truths that I want you to hold on to today and, and hold on to for eternity. In John 6, 6, 8, Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe that we've come to know that you are the Holy One of God. You are our righteousness. You are our forgiveness. You are our redemption. To whom shall we go, God? And if you know the story, how it ends, most of those disciples laid down their lives to, to proclaim so that you and I today can have a message to share. See, in Christ we have a love that can never be fathomed. We have a life that can never die. We have a righteousness that can never be tarnished. We have a peace that can never be understood. We have a rest that can never be disturbed. We have a joy that can never be diminished. A hope that can never be disappointed. A glory that can never be clouded. A light that can never be darkened. A happiness that can never be interrupted. A strength that can never be enfeebled. A purity that can never be defiled. A beauty that can never be marred. A wisdom that can never be baffled. And resources that can never be exhausted. To whom shall we go? Come on, church, let's stand.